It's 7.32. Let me quote something here. Uh, this film got me to see one of the most marvelous creation events in human history. As I was walking out of the theater after the movie, I sent a text message to a friend, and while punching in the Korean letters on my mobile phone, I could not help feeling amazed. All I can do is to express my deepest admiration for this lonely genius King Sejong. Well, these are not my words, but the translated words of Parmidor winning director Pong Joon-ho, talking about how he enjoyed watching Narap Malsami or The King's Letters. But the film has been a source of controversy for its historical inaccuracy. For further discussion, let's welcome on the line Professor Donald Baker from the Center for Korean Research at the University of British Columbia. Thank you for joining us, Doctor. Thanks for having me. All right. I, I know you have watched the film The King's Letters, uh, in which yes, famous Korean actor uh, Song Gang-ho, uh, one of my favorites actually, acted as a King Sejong who invented the Korean writing system called Hun Min Jung-um or Hangul. Uh, how did you like the movie? As a movie, I liked it. As an histo- I had, I'm an historian of Korea, so I had to take off my historian's hat to enjoy the movie because there's so much historical inaccuracy in the movie. But the acting mm-hmm. was great, the cinematography was great, and it was an exciting story. So I enjoyed it as a movie. <laughs> I see. The, the, um, liking the movie aside, there has been a boiling controversy. Some critics did not like the way that the film portrays Buddhist monk Shinmi as a central figure in King Sejong's uh, Hangul project. I think that's one of one of the inaccuracies that you might have uh, uh, spotted. Uh, while oh, yeah. uh, Buddhist monk Shinmi is a real historical person, they argue that the narrative uh, with Shinmi contradicts Joseon's ruling philosophy of Confucianism. And actually, I remember in my uh, school days, uh, which means suppress uh, Buddhism and elevate the Confucianism uh, key uh, policy in Joseon Dynasty. Can you tell us what's the official counter of this story? Well, actually, what, what really happened, uh, Buddhism was not persecuted, it was marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Buddhism continued to survive. There were even little... Um, not in the main part of the palace, but in side areas of the palace, or little Buddhist shrines to almost the whole dynasty, at least halfway through the dynasty. Uh, King Sejong himself uh, apparently wrote a biography of the Buddha, which is his son uh, Sejo uh, later had published in Hangul. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, the, the movie overemphasizes how anti-Buddhist the government was. The Confucian scholars were anti-Buddhist, but the government never let them completely suppress Buddhism. Uh, the government even had a Buddhist Sutra publishing house for the rest of the 16th century. I mean, sorry, 15th century. Um, and so half a century after, after Sejong had passed away, the government was publishing uh, Buddhist texts. So that's an exaggeration. I see. Uh, and also, as, as far as Sinmi goes, we, the only record we have of him meeting King Sejong starts with uh, uh, 1446, which is three years after Hangul was invented. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. <laughs> I see. It reminds me of the movie uh, Braveheart, <laughs> which I enjoyed tremendously. Yes. But afterwards, uh, I saw so many things that were wrong with the historical facts. Um, yes. Well, uh, coming back to this movie, another intriguing aspect about the movie was uh, how some Hangul alphabets were influenced by the Sanskrit writing system and Tibetan Buddhism, right? right? right. 
Right. That's a problem, because, um, first of all, they have monks speaking Sanskrit. People in India didn't even speak Sanskrit there, much less monks in Korea. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they they say in the movie that they learned about phonetic writing from the Buddhist Tripitaka, the Buddhist text. But the Buddhist texts available to Koreans were written in Chinese. Uh (laughs) They were there were a few uh, mantras that were written in a script, which is not Sanskrit, it's another South Asian script. But uh, and they learned how to read those, so they didn't know what they meant. And so uh, it looks as though the, the main foreign influence, if you want to concede some kind of a foreign influence on Hangul, was actually a Mongol script that was influenced by Tibetan Buddhists. So there is some Buddhist influence that way, but they, they learned from this Mongol script how you, that you can make a phonetic script, an alphabet. Um, but no, it wasn't Sanskrit. <laughs> I see. It sounds more troubling than the Shinmi account. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about <laughs> another movie. A new movie has just hit the local theater this week. Bongodongjan 2, or The Battle Road mm. to Victory, tells the story of the United Korean Independence Armies, or as they are called, the Tehan Dongnipgun. Uh, Pongodong battle took actually uh, took place in the border region along the Tuman River in uh, in right. 1920s. Can you give us a historical background of independence struggles continued in uh, Manchuria after 1919 March One uh, movement? Well, what actually did, I guess the hero of the movie I haven't seen the movie Hong Bum Do. Uh, he had been active in righteous armies before even 1910. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, in 1919, he moved into Manchuria and created a small army of a few hundred men and had a few victories attacking individual Japanese military units. Um, but, of course, that didn't force the Japanese to leave Korea. And by 1922, um, the Soviet Union, which is, was a new, new country at that point, um, told him uh, to stop bothering the Japanese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they basically mm-hmm. forced him to disarm. Uh, and so we only had about two or three years of armed resistance emanating on the border between Manchuria and Korea uh, to the Jap- to, to, to Japanese after 1919. I mean, there's been some resistance uh, the previous decade, of course. Um, and then uh, the resistance in Manchuria doesn't reappear again until the early 1930s. So there was a decade when the Japanese were very successful in suppressing armed resistance to their rule of Korea. I see. The, actually, the history textbooks give one to two line explanation about the independence mm. army leader, Hong Bomdo. But it seems like mm. the film has taken a lot of other uh, sources to, or sources or uh, creation uh, or imagination to create this story. Uh, on the whole, do you think it jives with the historical facts or do you think that they want uh, too much? Well, again, I haven't seen the movie, but oh. showing him as a leader. Right. If he's, first of all, he's a fascinating guy. He started off as a tiger hunter. <laughs> That's his background. <laughs> I don't know the movie talks about that. But, I mean, he did have this armed force under his command, which they began to call the Korean Independence Army. Right. And they were able to have uh, several victories against Japanese forces over the course of three years, 1919 to 1922. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the movie talks about what happened after 1922. Right. <laughs> but, then let's talk in more generalities, not only in South Korea, but in uh, Hollywood and Elseworlds, too. I, I mentioned Brave Arts, but uh, filmmakers mm-hmm. love making historical representations of an important event or make films mm-hmm. based on a true story, loosely based or a strictly uh, based uh, uh, nonetheless. In your opinion, should filmmakers be blamed for fictionalizing some parts of history? After all, there's this thing called the artistic license. Right. As long as they don't try to present their movie 
as a documentary, <laughs> then it's okay. I noticed that uh, the King's Letters begins by saying this is one possible explanation for the invention of Hangul. It's one that's not accepted by most scholars, so they shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like historical movies. I particularly enjoy, by the way, the Korean movies about the Kwangju incident, democratization movement of 1980, because somebody who was there, I like seeing how it's portrayed on the screen. And uh, what, so I enjoy movies about historical people and historical events. Then, of course, if it's about Korean history, I get a problem in my classroom where students think what they saw in the movie is true, and I have to give them a more nuanced account of what they saw in the movie. Uh, but as I said at the beginning, that it, The King's Letters was a very good movie, and I've enjoyed some other movies about both Korean and Western history. And mm-hmm. I had to just put my historian's hat aside and not expect accuracy. I see. Uh, right. Isn't that the problem, though? I, I like history, but rather than reading a somewhat boring books, but uh, I, I would love to watch mov- movies because their characters come alive and the contexts are so vivid, uh, so I learn a lot. But it's a disappointing that afterwards I learned that uh, it's not really accurately portrayed or doesn't give us really good uh, historical lessons. Uh, so uh, what do you have to do? It seems like there's a balance between uh, the movies as entertaining piece, but at the same time it's very educational. Can we have both? Yeah, I actually taught a course here at the University of British Columbia on Korean film, and I chose films with historical themes. And the way I did that, I would have the students enjoy the movie, and then I would explain why it diverged from historical accuracy, and, you know, not just that, that it did so, but why it did so to, to enhance the story. Sometimes you need to diverge a bit to get you inside the heads of the historical actors. For example, the King's Letters is accurate in portraying King Sejong as really fighting against his officials to get Hangul created. Mm-hmm. That's accurate. And so you can see that in the movie. You can, you, it's much better seeing it in a movie than reading it in a book, right? Right. Um, I wish that I wish that they'd send me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I think what I would like, actually, that happened a couple of times, is that I watch a movie, but uh, if I go to the internet, and they would have uh, some some helpful people would have put up uh, uh, a site that says what's accurate and what's not, and that way I can enjoy it and. I'll also learn uh, historical facts and uh, make it as an educational piece. Uh, do, you, do you think it's an effective way of doing it? Uh, but in order to do that, I guess you have to really make it uh, plain in, in the movie as a disclaimer that this uh, movie is uh, loosely based on or somewhat based on, but a lot of characters are fictional or uh, some artistically modified. It would help if there was such a disclaimer on a movie. Yes, it would. <laughs> it would make it easier for me to get my students to to accept what I'm saying about the movie. Um, but again, I, I do try to show some films in my even in my history classes that give students a glimpse of what Korea looked like um, back in. I'm a Joseon Dynasty historian, or looked like in the Joseon Dynasty. But then I do go over the film and say, "This is where they went astray. This mm-hmm. is where they exaggerated. This is where they created an imaginary character." Um, and I think that students can learn from that. I think they find that actually more informative than simply reading a book, because they've got these pictures in their mind, and then I try to get them to see what the pictures are are, are really about, and then they get a better understanding of some Dynasty history, for example, and they can actually visualize it. Um, and there's the problem that they'll accept what the movie says as 100% accurate, because that's a very vivid image in their head. Uh, but I do want them to be able to see how people dress in the Joseon Dynasty, see how officials interacted with the commoners, 
to mm-hmm. see how women were treated and see how Buddhist monks were treated and so on. And movies are helpful in that way as long as they don't claim to be totally accurate. Right, right. Uh, I think that the, you can have both ways if you if you have especially uh, capable uh, guiding hands like uh, yourself. Uh, but if not, then uh, probably other sources should be pulled in to make the historical facts plain or what what is facts and what is not. Well, exactly. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, it, it seems like uh, there are a lot of discussions to be had about the historical inaccuracies in movies, but I think there should be some guidance as well. It was great talking with you. Great talking with you. This was Professor Donna Baker from the Center for Korean Research at the University of British Columbia.